My mama told me something when I was growing up that has forever changed my life. She played the piano at our little church at 3rd and Pine Street for 37 years. She tried to teach me to play the piano, <laughs> but I wasn't very good. She would teach me the names of the notes, what a major key is, what a minor key is. She tried to teach me musical theory, but I was just bored. Then, one day, she told me that the best news in the world is found by playing a simple scale on the piano. I had no idea what she meant, so she told me to play an eight-note scale. So I did. I said, how is that good news? And she said I played it incorrectly and that I needed to play it the other way. So I did. Again, I said, how is that good news? And she said, I played it the right way, but I needed to add the pauses. The pauses? She said, the pauses. Add them on the first, second, fourth, sixth, seventh, and last note. Now, I was frustrated and said, how can eight notes with random pauses be the best news in the world? Then I got up, walked away, and went outside. Frankly, I didn't care what she was talking about. I didn't like playing the piano anyway. Well, years later, my mama got sick and passed away. As I was thinking about her, I remembered what she told me about the piano. Not only that, I still remember the notes she told me to pause. The first, second, fourth, sixth, seventh, and last note. So I sat down at her piano and played the scale with the pauses. And that's when I realized the good news she was talking about. truly is good news, amen. Would you stand and worship with us this morning, fixating on that word joy. Hope it brings a smile to your face. It should as you say it, joy.
would you continue to lift your voices up this morning um, as we continue to sing on our future songs? But I do, before we get to them, and I've got to make sure we cover the announcements because we have things coming up and they're very important. Uh, number one, I think I'm going in order. Uh, we have a parents' night out coming up. Oh, no. Yeah, we have a parents' night. Oh, yeah. First Christmas party. Sorry. Let's go in order. Let's go in order. Christmas party. It's this Wednesday. Yeah, it's this, coming, it's this coming Wednesday. Make sure you invite someone. It'd be a great opportunity for them to get to find where Southwoods is at. And then I ask, ask them there, you know, do you have any plans for, for Christmas Eve? You know, the, the song is, what are you doing New Year's Eve? But really, like, what are they doing Christmas Eve um, for our services, right? And, and encourage them, invite them to, that's going to be a lot of fun. And then, you know, the Christmas, Christmas Eve services will be a lot of fun too because that message just brings joy. Amen. Um, the other announcement is that we have Parents Night Out coming up as well. Um, parents, take advantage of this. We're going to have lots of people here to watch your kids. It was a lot of fun last year. I was remembering back and I was like, oh yeah, I hope just kids like all over my back and stuff. So it's fun though, because you guys get a moment to spend some time together in a hectic time of year and just drop off the kids and we'll probably watch a Christmas movie and give them sugar and then send them home to you. Um, and then of course we have our Christmas Eve services. We have two different services. Um, there are the times right there, 3.30 and 5. Um, encourage you, I just encourage you to invite. It is, you know, we know that a lot of people go to church at this time of year, um, and the message is, I mean, every every week is revolving around Jesus, but it's literally Him coming to the world. Um, and so, just just ask, you know, just ask at work, like, hey, do, are you do you have a church to go to? And uh, it can never hurt to ask. We're called to to um, share the gospel. We're called to invite. It's part of the Great Commission. It's what we were called to do by Jesus Himself. So, I encourage you to do that. Um, pray for courage and strength and uh, and for the heart that God has for his for his people as you think about that this week all right um, before we head into the community as well we also we're singing about Jesus being born we have some babies that have been born very recently and we want to make sure that we take some time as a church to dedicate um, these children to um, a life of proclaiming Jesus just like we're calling Jesus calls us to do um, as we invite people to Christmas Eve and whatnot. So Craig's going to come up and we're going to be praying for these babies. Why don't you turn and greet one another? Just welcome everybody. Grab a seat while we get ready here, okay? Sit right there, sure. June 14th, 
Louis Southwood's baby, Miss Monroe Cassette Florence Olinger. Just stay right here. She was born November yeah. 21st, yeah. 2022. Her parents are well, Kate and Riley, and she has a very, very proud big sister, Jace. <laughs> Why don't you scoot this way, everybody? Just coming down this way. Keep coming and keep coming and keep coming. That uh, see there. So we're uh, we're excited uh, for all of you guys, and just uh, so happy for you, your families, and uh, is it is just a privilege, a special moment for all of us to get to share with you as you you know commit yourselves to raising your child to know Jesus to to love his word and to uh, walk in his ways. And it, it is a privilege for us to partner with you. And so thank you for allowing us the opportunity to do that. So as we uh, kind of make our uh, vows here, look to the side where it says ba uh, baby and child dedication vows on the one side. I think this stuff will be come up on the screen, but if it doesn't, just listen carefully as we do this. But this will be the, uh, for the parents and um, I'll, I'll read along, but you can just kind of read it with me. Uh, what I'll do is I'll start out, I'll say some things, and then your response will just be, I will, at the first part, okay? And then I'll give a charge to all of us as the body of Christ here, okay? All right. So parents, you are bringing your child before us and into God's presence today to be dedicated to him. Will you each commit to raising your child in a way that pleases God? Will you instruct him or her in God's word? Will you introduce your child to Christ's love and need for salvation? Will you endeavor to model godliness in your home, in your family? Will you protect your child from evil influences, teach him or her to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit, and regularly fellowship with believers in a Christ-centered church family? If that is the intent of your heart, answer, I will. All right, members of Southwoods Christian Church, we have a little part to play in this as well. Today, these parents are bringing their children into God's presence to be dedicated to Him. Do you as a church family commit to surround them with your, uh, the love, the grace, the truth of God? Will you stand with them in prayer? Will you serve with them in humility? Will you encourage them in the pursuit of godliness and the knowledge of God's Word? Will you receive these children as a gift from the Lord to be nurtured, instructed, protected, and blessed by this fellowship of believers? If so, answer, we will. So this next part is just a little sort of responsive prayer that I'll uh, uh, do with you here as we kind of do this, but then, uh, then I'll lead us in a, a prayer that's not written down afterwards, okay? All right, so here... Here we go, parents. Lord, you have entrusted to us one of your priceless treasures. You have allowed us to share with you in the miracle of creation, and we hold that miracle close to us. We are thankful, but also fearful. Oh, Lord, we are imperfect parents in an imperfect world. Speak to us, lead us, assure us of your nearness, now and in the future as we raise this child. It is written, train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. It's also written, all your children will be taught by the Lord, and great will be your children's peace. So as you raise this child, cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Help us to trust in you, O Lord, with all of our hearts, and not to lean on our own understanding. In all our ways, we will acknowledge you May you direct our paths. Let's just bow our heads together, all right? Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for your word. We're so grateful for your sacrifice. We're so grateful for your presence and the many promises that you bring into our lives. And we thank you especially for the blessings that these families are holding in their hands, these little children. When I think of you, Lord Jesus, I mean, you were the one who said, let the little children come to me. If anyone causes them to sin, it'd be better that they be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to, to let sin be brought into their lives and to, to lead them astray. And, and Father, we understand these truths of Scripture and these families recognize 
that you love these children more than they do, and they love them dearly. So our request is, Lord, that you'll demonstrate your presence, your promise, your protection, your provision in the lives of each of these little ones. They're here for a purpose. You've called them. You've, you've made them. You have a plan for their lives. And our request, Lord, is that your plan would come to fulfillment, that you'd help each family, each parent, as they contribute and partner with you in the development, the, the raising of these children. I know that these parents want to do it in a way that would honor you and bless these children. Would you empower them to that end? Would you strengthen them, give them wisdom and and divine understanding of their child that they might uh, help you fulfill your plan for each child's life. We want to partner with you in that. Help us as a church, Lord, to do our part. Help us to, to anchor these children as best we can, giving them opportunities to know Scripture, to know Jesus, to know your will for their lives, and partner with these families. Help us to do our very best, God. Would you resource us? Would you give us wisdom and guidance? And Father, together we promise to all give you credit for the good that results from these children's lives because we know apart from you, no good thing would be the result. But with you, nothing is impossible. So we pray, Father, for your blessing on these children, this blessing on your, these families, your blessing on this church. We thank you for Jesus who makes it all possible. Just grateful for your grace that you hear our prayers. We lift this prayer together in the name of Jesus. And everybody agreed with me and said, amen, amen. We bless you all. Thank you. Again, God bless you for letting us be a part of all this. And happy for you. Happy for you. All right, go ahead and grab a seat. lead us on. We're going to continue in worship this morning. It's such a beautiful thing. I notice in all of our songs that the first one, uh, Joyful, Joyful, um, talked about uh, Joy the World, the Savior reigns and He rules the world. And I want you to listen for every single one of these songs I think it says, every single one. Find where it says He reigns. I just find such peace in that this time of year and just in how our God reigns and how He is the King baby Jesus. Let's continue. Let's sing about him this morning.
he's reigning with us. And he invites us in to reign with him. We just continue to sing this out about him reigning.
So before we head into the message, I just want to make sure we point out the different ways uh, that you can be giving here at Southwoods um, up on the slide. And we'll sing one more song after the message later. Before we dive into the message, I just want to say a, a word about Christmas Eve, just an encouragement, just as Wesley was saying. I hope you'll take advantage of Christmas Eve. It's coming up. It'll be here before you know it. It's two weeks away, which just seems unthinkable, but it's, it's going to be here before uh, you know it. 3.30 and 5 o'clock, so hope that you'll uh, plan to join us for one of those services. As Wesley was highlighting, I just would encourage you to take advantage of this opportunity to invite people with you. Uh, if you have family who are coming into town, yeah, feel free to invite them. It's, uh, it's always a special evening. A couple of people have asked about Christmas Day. Uh, we really haven't said anything yet, but I mean, our plan for Christmas Day, we're not going to have uh, on-site services Christmas Day morning, uh, but I'll have a Christmas devotional thought that you'll be able to access via our website or our Facebook page. You can stream it whenever it's convenient for you on Christmas Day, wherever you happen to be. Uh, it'll, it'll be available throughout the entire weekend, well, from Christmas morning on. It'll be, be available and would hope that uh, you'd take advantage of that. Again, an opportunity for you to integrate that potentially into family gatherings. So uh, just kind of file that away. Maybe there'll be an opportunity uh, to have some family who you'd never get to come in this building. But this would be an opportunity for you to, uh, to introduce them to what Christmas is really all about. Uh, you'll have to figure out how to do that. What I'm going to do devotionally is not going to be long and drawn out, so that will be to your advantage on many levels. <laughs> but, uh, but what I would say is, you know, I'll, I'll try to weave into that for sure, you know, what Christmas is really about, obviously, which uh, would give you a, a, an opportunity as you're, you know, gathered with family and whoever you're gathering with. So take advantage of that. Uh, we're also going to have, uh, starting next weekend, we're not going to have them until next weekend, but next weekend and Christmas Eve we'll have a little Christmas uh, gift baskets that we'll be uh, making available to everybody. There'll be some communion uh, cups there. There'll be a little devotional guide to help you prepare for the new year uh, in the, the days leading up to New Year's, uh, which falls on Sunday as well. And we will be having services for sure on New Year's Day here. So just, just file away. Take advantage of these opportunities. Uh, there'll be a few other things in that gift basket, but grab one next weekend. Uh, grab one Christmas Eve, whichever uh, of those works for you. Um, be, be light, be salt, be witnesses uh, in these days that we live in to those who are, who are near and dear to you, but may, may not be walking you know, with Christ. So this is a good opportunity to do that. It's part of why we're doing it this way. So uh, without any further ado, let's, uh, let's pray one more time. And then uh, we're going to look at Scripture this morning, talk uh, this morning about that one silent night. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for your faithfulness, your kindness, your mercy, your love. We invite you to speak to us this morning from your word. Help us to think your thoughts. Help us to feel your love and understand it, uh, both emotionally, intellectually, uh, uh, in every way. God, we just want to know you, and we'll, uh, we'll rejoice to be your children. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. You know, 2022 is going to be uh, remembered for a lot of reasons. This was the year that the Ukraine war began. So historians will write about that. Uh, this is the year that Twitter was purchased by Elon Musk. That'll be talked about a lot in the coming weeks and all the things related to that. Uh, this was the year, uh, 2022, that the Federal Reserve started raising interest rates. Some of us have been feeling the tension, the pain of that, and particularly I know some who are looking to buy homes. That's not been, a, been a, a wonderful thing. I could make a long list of these kinds of things, and many will be doing that in the days ahead. But one of the most historically noteworthy events of 2022 took place on September 8th. Many of you will remember September 8th, 2022, was the year, the date, that Queen Elizabeth II died. 
Most of you remember that. She was age of 96. During her lifetime, the queen reigned over 32 sovereign nation states. I mean, think about that. There's 32 different sovereign nation states was uh, sort of the span of her, the scope of her rule. Her rule lasted 70 years and 214 days. It was the longest reign of any British monarch in history, we're told. Upon the announcement of Queen Elizabeth's death, uh, flags in Europe and Canada and America were immediately moved to half-mast. Brazil declared three days of mourning. Australia's prime minister wept on television that she had died. Jamaica announced 12 days of public tribute to the queen. Other nations, too many to name, did similar kinds of things. Generally speaking, that is how royalty is treated in our world. Everything stops and people take notice. That's, that's what happens when royalty is at work in our world. It's honored, it's respected. From birth to death, royalty has its privileges and gets its attention. And should we say privileges that the rest of us don't enjoy? Yeah. I mean, we pause for a few moments to dedicate a few children this morning. That's it. That's what, that's what they've got to look forward to in the coming years. You know what I'm saying? Nobody will pause for them. Uh, no flags will be flown at half-mast for them, most likely. Several years ago, you know, Queen Elizabeth, one more Queen Elizabeth story, uh, visited the United States, and reporters at the time delighted in spelling out the logistics associated with her divine, pri divine privileges, her you know, royal privileges, shall we say, uh, that were just associated, things that she gets that you and I don't get, okay? She arrived in the United States for her brief stay with 4,000 pounds of luggage. You and me, 50. <laughs> you had 50 pounds of luggage, you jump on an international flight. You got 4,000. Thousand pounds of luggage, and this was for a very brief stay, very, just a, a, a few days. Uh, she had two outfits for every occasion. She had a funeral outfit in case someone died. Um, she had 40 pints of plasma in case she became sick and needed surgery. She had multiple white kid leather toilet seat covers because everywhere she went, the toilet seat covers would go. This is the way it was. She brought along her own hairdresser, two valets, a host of other attendants. Her brief royal visit to a foreign country, third world country like the U.S., uh, easily cost multiple millions of dollars. Now, why do I tell you all this? Because I want to contrast it today with the humble visit to earth that was made nearly 2,000 years ago by the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, God himself, Jesus. As most of you know, God's royal visit to earth began in an animal shelter, and it wasn't even a capital city. It was Bethlehem. For us, think Paola. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what it would be like. No attendants were present. There was nowhere to lay the newborn infant king except a well-worn animal feed trough. And let me assure you, there were no kid leather slip covers for a manger that Jesus was laid in. None. As astonishing as it all may seem, the event that divided history, the event that literally put our calendars into two parts, I mean, think about that, probably had more livestock witnesses than human ones. To say that Jesus, God in flesh, entered our world and humanity in humility is a mammoth understatement. It's truly astonishing. 
to help all of us capture a, a little bit of a glimpse of the many humbling choices that Jesus embraced that very first Christmas. I want to share with you this morning, you know, one of my very favorite passages of Scripture. Truthfully, it's kind of my favorite Christmas passage uh, because it says so much and it's really so succinct. If you have your Bibles with you, turn to Philippians chapter 2. Many of us don't think of it as a Christmas passage, but it really is when you start looking at the content of it. This passage reveals the amazing humility of our God. As we read the next few verses together, hope you'll listen really close. I hope you'll think deeply about the events of the very first Christmas and the character, the nature of our God. It's really, really important that we understand this passage because it helps us understand who was being born that very first Christmas, what he chose to do, and why he chose to do it just flows from this passage so many ways. Philippians chapter 2, we're going to start at verse 5, which says this, You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross, the text says. It goes on and says, Therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's an amazing passage of Scripture. It gives us so much insight to the heavenly realms and what was going on behind the scenes before Jesus' birth, during his time here on earth, and even what's coming in the future. Sort of Christmas past, present, future, really all summed up in this. Did you notice, as we read the passage, all of the divine demotions that Jesus chose? Did you notice any of them? I mean, willingly took a demotion, a step down repeatedly. It just shows up over and over in the text. The text tells us that Jesus didn't cling to his equality with God, the Father. Some of us get hung up on this idea. We kind of get stuck there, but we have to understand, to appreciate the very first Christmas, we have to understand that Jesus was not an assistant to God. He was not the vice president of the heavenly realm or the Trinity. He was not a junior partner in the heavens. He was fully God. Fully God. Equal with the Father. In Genesis 1, he was creating things out of nothing by the spoken word, by, by his own spoken word. In Exodus 19, on Mount Sinai, guess who was there? Jesus, the Son of God. He was fully God, present there. Isaiah 6, Isaiah sees a vision of God sitting, sitting on a throne, the veil of his robe Filling the temple, the text tells us. Who was the one seated on the throne in Isaiah 6 with the, the veil, the, the, the trail of his robe filling the temple? Jesus. He was on the throne. I could go on with these passages. Ezekiel 1 and 2, we, we could look at other ones, but he was and is fully God, but the text tells us Verse 6, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to, to clutch, to, to hoard, and just, shall we say, protect himself with. I would have done that. I'd have been clinging to it. You'd have been clinging to it. But he did this. Jesus gave up, verse 7 tells us, his divine privileges, relinquished guaranteed security, respect, 
guaranteed provision, guaranteed health, a guaranteed kid leather life. He let all of that go. The text tells us that Jesus chose the humble position of a slave. Just think about that. What, if you were going to leave a kid leather life in the heavens and you were going to enter the world, would you pick being a peasant as your choice, your station of life that you would enter the world in? Most of us, the way we think, we'd be thinking, okay, if I'm going to have to leave this behind, I'm at least going to be a king on earth. You know, I'm at least going to you know, have all the money and all the influence, I, you know, to protect myself, to protect those who I dear, um, dearly love and so forth. But Jesus tells us, or the scripture tells us that Jesus went from being first to last. He went from being king to slave. He went from being prince to peasant, and he did it willingly, willingly. And after selecting that, as a position in society for himself. On Christmas Day, verse 7 tells us that Jesus became human, a man. He appeared in human form, the text says. What a moment when the infinite becomes finite. When someone unlimited becomes limited, weak, tired, for the first time hungry, thirsty. I mean, these are all divine emotions that, that our God chose. The Bible doesn't stop there. It reveals that Jesus became human. He became man. Uh, it wasn't for entertainment reasons or just even relationship, just because he just wanted to hang out with us. It really wasn't about that. He, he became flesh. He was humbling himself so that he could submit himself to, of all things, death. Look at verse 8. If you have your Bibles open still, Philippians 2, verse 8 says, He humbled himself in obedience to God, to God the Father, and died a criminal's death on the cross. He chose death. He chose capital punishment. He chose death by crucifixion. And the astonishing thing of that is that when you understand what crucifixion was like, I mean, crucifixion didn't just kill a person. It was a slow, torturous death. It was carried out in public view. There was no privacy. You're hanging there nearly naked, many were, no dignity, hundreds and hundreds of eyewitnesses because he was placed at a spot that was like right at a crossroads where everybody walked by and saw what took place. I mean, what a step down. It's one thing to lay aside kid leather toilet seat covers, you know. And it's another thing to lay down your life in this kind of fashion. The truth about Christmas is that it is an astonishing, hear me, riches to rags story. This is what Christmas really is. It's all about God leaving everything behind to become one of us human. And he did it on our behalf. Thankfully, the story doesn't end there when you read that Philippians passage. Jesus' divine demotion was rewarded with the ultimate Promotion. Did you notice it in verses 9 and following? You still have your Bible open there. Look at those verses. It says, Therefore God, the Father, elevated him, speaking of Jesus Christ, elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. We sung about that this morning. Just gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, 
Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Which is just to say that a day is coming when the world is going to wake up to realize who Jesus really was and is. Who he was and is. Every eye is going to see, every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess that he is Lord, he is King, he is God. God in his mercy has given us the choice to humble ourselves now or humble ourselves at a later date, which won't be quite as exciting. But when you think about Christmas and what it's really all about, it's an opportunity for us to pause and to humbly acknowledge his goodness, his greatness now, rather than just in the future when everybody does it. You know what I'm saying? Now, with all of that as context, I want you to think with me, what could possibly motivate Jesus to willingly choose a manger and a cross over a sovereign throne and divine privileges? What could possibly motivate somebody to want to do that? Money? In our world, you follow the money. Try to understand these things, right? I mean, you, you watch political intrigue, you watch corporate things, you watch people's lives. I mean, literally, people move all over the world. Why? Because of the money. I mean, this is what we do. This is the world that we live in. Did Jesus do what he did for the money? It's absurd. Of course not. He lacked nothing. Did he do it for power and influence? I mean, people do that kind of thing. I mean, because money and power and influence tend to coalesce in our world. They kind of go together, right? This is how the world works. Did he do it for power, for influence? Of course not. Jesus had unlimited power and influence already. Remember who he was. He spoke words. Let there be light, and there was, and it was good. And he was the one speaking the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. The one writing in the stone tablets with the finger of God those Ten Commandments. He lacked no power. He did not lack influence. So what could possibly have motivated Jesus to help us grasp this, the one thing that motivated Jesus. I want to tell you a little parable. It was written a couple of centuries ago by a Danish philosopher named Soren Kierkegaard. The parable that he wrote goes like this, and listen really carefully. It'll help some of us to understand this better. The parable goes like this. Imagine there was a king who loved a humble maiden she had no loyal pedigree, no education, no standing in the court. She dressed in rags. She lived in a hut. She led the ragged life of a peasant. But for reasons no one could ever quite figure out, the king fell in love with this girl in the way kings sometimes do. Why he should love her is beyond explaining, but love her he did. And then there awoke in the heart of the king... An anxious thought. How was he to reveal his love to this girl? How could he bridge the chasm of station and position of life that separated the two of them? His advisors, of course, told him to simply command her to be his queen. For he was a man of immense power. Every statesman feared his wrath. Every foreign power trembled before him. Every courier groveled in the dust at the king's voice. She would have no power to resist. She would owe him an eternal debt of gratitude. All would go well, they promised. 
that the king being wise knew in his heart that power, even unlimited power, could not command love. He might be able to gain her obedience that way, but coerced submission is not what he wanted. He longed for intimacy of heart and oneness of spirit. Some of the king's advisors suggested that he give up this love and give his heart to a more worthy woman. Others suggested that the king should try to bridge the chasm between them by elevating her Elevating her to his position, he could shower her with gifts, he could dress her in purple and silk, he could have her crowned queen in public. But the king wondered, how would he know if she loved him for himself or for all that he had given her? And how could she know that if he loved her and would love her, even if she had remained only a humble peasant. No, there was only one way to eliminate the obstacles, the chasm that was between them. So one day the king rose from his throne. He removed his crown. He relinquished his scepter. And he laid aside his royal robes. He took upon himself the life of a peasant. He dressed in rags. He scratched out a living in the dirt. He groveled for food. He dwelt in a hut. He did not just take on the outward appearance of a servant like this, but it became his actual life, his very nature, his burden. But he did it with joy because of love. Because of love. The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 4, verse 9, these words. It says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him and It says, this is real love in verse 10. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a sacrifice to take away our sins. need to ask you, do you know this king, Jesus, who loves you more than he loves a sovereign throne? more than he loves divine privilege, more than he loves his own life. Do you know this God who was born one silent starry night so long ago, entering our world seeking you, hoping and praying with everything in his spirit that his step down from the throne would win your heart, that you would open your heart to him as he was opening his heart and life to you. That, my friends, is really what Christmas is all about. And my hope is that in just a few moments as we share in the Lord's Supper together, that you'll take a few moments just to express to God your gratitude, your appreciation, your affection, your love for him. Invite him to fill you, to change you, to make you his, because that's what he came to do. Just a few moments, we're going to share in communion. As I mentioned, the bread is a reminder of his body, which was nailed to the cross. The juice is a reminder of his blood, which was shed on the cross all reminders of his sacrifice, his love, what he was willing to endure in order to make a pathway for you and me to be in relationship with him and the Father. Open your heart to Jesus as he's opened his heart to you, okay? Let's bow our heads. We're going to pray, sharing the Lord's Supper together, all right? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness 
your love, which honestly it's beyond our ability to fully grasp how one could love like you do. And in this moment, we just want to express our gratitude. Thank you for loving us more than you loved anyone or anything else in the heavens. We're so grateful. As we take these emblems, the bread and the juice, we remember your love, your sacrifice, your choice. Would you meet us in these moments? Would you fill us, strengthen us, help us to love you more, more like you love us? And would you help us to remember the riches to rags story that is Christmas? Help us to remember it this whole season. Help us to remember it the rest of our lives. That might fill us with gratitude. That we might choose your humility in every station of our lives. Thanks for your grace. Thanks for your sacrifice. Would you receive us unto yourselves even now as we take these emblems? It's in Christ's name we pray.
of all. We just exalt your name. We raise your name. We lift your name high, God, because you are so deserving of all of our glory, of all, of all your glory and all, and all of the praise, God, all the praise we can give you. It's just so fitting that we would exalt you as you deserve to be exalted, God, but yet you humbled yourself to a servant. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you that with joy before you, you endured the cross with joy. And Lord, I just, we have joy before us because of that, because of your resurrection. Thank you, Lord, that you, that you did that for us, that you, there was just joy before you because of what you knew, Lord. I just pray that we would go forth with joy before us because we know that there's life in you, in your resurrection, and that you're coming again, that we have joy in that, God, that you're the Lord of all. Help us find peace in that this week. Thank you.